Amen. Did I hear you say you, you lost your Connect card? I did lose the Connect card. I, I might have had something to do with that because I'm, I'm a cleaner and I moved it, so I got to confess. First thing I get back is I got to confess my sins. I moved your stuff. I moved your cheese, bro. Some of you don't get that unless you read the book. Who moved, who moved my cheese? Uh, I moved his cheese, so I'll owe you coffee or something, but you're buying. Amen. Hey, he didn't he do a great job last week preaching? Did. So nice. We watched it just to make sure everything was cool. Um, and then Pastor John did our Wednesdays. But uh, anyway, I learned that he won't even touch a toilet bowl cleaner that hasn't been used yet. So, bro, you got to grow up a little bit. Um, little fear factor thing going on, but that was a great message, Pastor Stevie. And it's so good uh, just to have great speakers, the man that we can go and relax. And I haven't been on Facebook for two weeks. Um, I, maybe, maybe three seconds, I posted a picture, and then I saw a friend's thing, and I clicked like, and I hung up. And, and I tell you what, my life has been good. Because I don't know your issues. I mean, it's, it's been great. It's like, they didn't watch the news. I was like, man, Boise could have gotten nuked, and I wouldn't know. Because um, I didn't turn on the news. And you'd be amazed at, at how peaceful your mind can be when you don't have social media and news. Amen. And when the lady below your condo was smoking marijuana every day, created something too. I'll tell you a little more about that later. Uh, it was like every morning, every day, man. I was like, hey, you're in paradise. Why are you smoking weed? Because it's legal in Hawaii. So, um, but I don't need weed to be peaceful. I got the Holy Spirit, man. I don't need a substance. And so, and it was just an interesting thing. And my brother said, I think that's a really good, good batch of weed. I don't know. My brother's not a professional weed smeller, but we did grow up around it where we grew up in Northern California because it was a lot of marijuana. Matter of fact, one day after church, this is how small my town was, 500 people. Uh, there was a man, his name was Hubert. I won't tell you his last name, uh, but, but Hubert was known as like the area grower. And, and he drove by our church one day in his Subaru Brat with probably 20 marijuana plants tied to the top of his brat with rope, like through his windows. So that was my world growing up. I never smoked it, but I saw a lot of it. And I know what it smells like. It smells like coffee and a, a skunk at the same time. It's the reason they call it skunk weed. But anyway, so needless to say, I had a secondhand smoke. I can no longer say I didn't inhale because I did. I was like, like whoa, trying to read my Bible. And uh, so needless to say, I had a good time. I had the munchies the whole time and it was great. No, I actually had to get up and move because it was pretty potent. But let's get into the Bible because uh, we're talking about unbiblical things. Um, maybe not. Hey, we're in a series called Determined. And uh, what I have found is in life as a Christian, determination is what you need to make it. I mean, and then today we're going to talk about four things uh, that we all need, we all pursue. We may not know it as such, but, but love, joy, peace, and hope is, is, is what we are pursuing um, as Christians, that's what we want. Uh, and I believe that the world pursues, they want love, joy, peace, and hope. They think peace is everybody agreeing with them. That's not where peace comes from. Jesus said, I am the Prince of Peace, meaning he is really the only way you're gonna have peace in this world. Uh, but what I know is that everybody is going through something. Every one of you today are going, you're going through something. And so I hope today speaks to you. Uh, I wanted to again, just leave you some encouragement that, that what you're looking for can actually be found, but you may be looking for it in the wrong places. Remember the song? Looking for love in all the wrong places. I look for it in the right place. Found her 28 years ago. Now you know why I get paid to preach, not sing. Uh, 
But joy or joyful, a little bit of history here with the book of Philippians, which we've been going through. Pastor Stephen and I have been tag teaming this. Uh, joy or joyful, those words have been found around 19 times in Paul's letter to this church. He's writing a letter to the Philippians, a church that he started, and he's just checking up on them. He's encouraging them. And so that's what the book of Philippians is about. It's a letter of encouragement. Um, so if a person, here's a question. If a person didn't know there was a God, they walked into a church service during the singing especially, would they want what you have by what they see? In our church, absolutely. I had some friends visit here recently and they're like, man, there was so much joy and energy and I love that, um, you know, because that's, that's you guys. But in a lot of churches in America, you don't see a lot of joy. You don't see a lot of hope. And that's one thing, if anything we need to give our world today is hope is hope and joy and let them know that what we have amidst the situations in our world, in our country, uh, that we see, we see as negative, we can still be joyful. And that's one thing that's missing in a lot of Christians' lives is really just as a, a joy. And we need to get back to that because I want people to want what I have. Amen, that's what I want. So Philippians chapter four, where we're gonna be, I'm gonna back up a little bit uh, to chapter three, verse 16. Um, after I wrote this out, I, I need to get some context here to catch up a little bit. And Paul says this in verse 16 of chapter three. He says, only let us live up to what we have already attained. We could preach a whole sermon on that one verse because most of us have enough information to do right. It's just living it on a day-to-day basis. Most of us, if, if you've been around church for very long, you don't really need another Bible verse. You need to live the ones that you already know, right? But we need to be reminded and that's what Paul is doing. He's like, I gotta remind you of these things. Um, and he says this, join with others in following my example. We're gonna talk about this next week about what kind of example we're setting. Uh, brothers, and, and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. For as I often told you before, and I now say it again with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Now, Paul, he is in prison when he's writing this letter. He's in chains. He's chained to a Roman guard um, under lock and key all the time. It's not a fun prison. There's no ESPN there. Um, it's, it's, it's rats and it's dirt and it's filth. And he's, and he's pinning this letter to them. Um, he says, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. And he is in jail because he was preaching Jesus. I will eventually get kicked off of Facebook Live for preaching Jesus. I really see that coming in our, in our country, okay? That, that I'm gonna start, I'll say, here's what sin is, here's what sexual immorality is, here's what it looks like, the Bible says it, and, and the world, the powers that be will say, that's hate speech and we're gonna kick you off. But there's the good news, you keep showing up, I'm gonna keep preaching it. Amen. So they can kick me off. I'm practicing being off Facebook anyway. It's been two weeks that I'm doing fine. Um, so anyway, I'm just practicing for getting kicked off of it. But what I believe is going to happen, and I've had a couple of pastors talk to me or confirm, is, is they see revival coming. And I think when the church gets picked on, the church rises up. All right. So what we see going on in our world, like the anti-Christian view, it's going to kind of tick us off a little bit and we're going to rise up okay, higher than we were before. And I really believe that a lot of people are going to get saved um, in the next couple of years because they're going to realize, you know what, there's something more than what the world says there is to bring peace and joy. So we're going to live it. We're going to build a new building. If you haven't noticed, there's orange marks out there now. Um, after church, there's probably cars parked on it, but you can look at the footprint of our new facility that we're going to be starting hopefully within a couple months. Um, excited about that. And the good news is, is we have most of the funds to pay for most of the building. And so that's a great thing. Um, because none of us like to be begged for money, right? I hate it when people build this big old building. They're like, okay, now we gotta get all the, uh, the money out of the people that pay for it. And we're not in that position. I'm so thankful that I don't have to beg you. Give me a bigger amen that I will beg, all right? I'll be, 
we'll take five offerings a Sunday if we have to, but no. Um, but I, I always put it on mute when people start begging for money, but I'm so thankful for people that believe in what we're doing here. And we're gonna have a facility that's gonna be amazing. Really excited about that. And so, all right, let's get back into the word. He says this, there are many, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Don't be surprised when, when you have enemies. You stand up for Jesus, you're going to have someone that doesn't like you. Okay, you can't really get your feelings hurt or, or, or let them stay hurt if, if somebody who doesn't believe in Christ comes against you. Just, just count that as joy. Like, okay, well, what I'm gonna live is going to attract some enemies. Matter of fact, if, as a Christian, you don't have any, any, any enemies, you're probably not being vocal enough. All right, there's, there's enemies that you're gonna have when you preach the gospel. That's why Paul is in prison. Here's what he says. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is in their shame. Boy, that sounds like the world, but they glory in the shameful things, they glory in immorality. Their mind is on earthly things. And he says this, but our citizenship, church believers, our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring most things under his control, all things, okay? Everything. That's why you need to bring your Bible to church make sure I'm telling you the truth. Okay, all things under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that we will be like his glorious body. In chapter four, remember, there's no chapter. He's, he's not writing a letter to them in chapters. He says, therefore, my brothers, you whom I love and I long for, my joy and my crown, that is how you should stand firm um, in the Lord, dear friends. So the context here is he's reminding this church family that their citizenship is in heaven. And here's what I know. Our world, we often look at the wrong scoreboard. We look at what's going on in America and in the world and saying the score is looking bad because, you know, it seems like evil is winning. It seems like all this, this gender stuff and what is gender and is there a gender, all this. You know, guys, God made them a male and female. The Bible says it. Okay, there's no arguing with it as a Christian. Don't get into the battle. Don't get into the argument. You just look at what the word of God says. God made them male and female. Right? I understand there's some confusion and we walk, walk with people through that, but God made the male and female, period. That's what it says, all right? And, and so we have all this stuff that's beginning preached and we can look at the scoreboard and say, okay, God, what's going on? We seem like we're losing. Lord, what's happening? The world's going crazy and you need to look at a different scoreboard. The scoreboard at the end of Revelation says we win. So we get spun up over the scoreboard that, that isn't even correct. So look at the correct scoreboard. Look at the right way. And, and here's what I do is I look at the Bible and I read what it says. In the end times, things are gonna go nuts. And I look at the world going, it's going nuts. The Bible's coming to pass. That means my score is winning, okay? I'm ahead. God is not up there concerned going, oh, I didn't see this coming. God has it all in control. So as Christians, uh, Paul is, is encouraging the Philippians. I'm encouraging you just to hang in there because we're ahead and we may not even realize it. So today is kind of a change of perspective. And so, anyway, my encouragement here is quit acting like you're losing. Quit acting like you're losing. You ever been a part of a sports team that was losing and then they act like it? Instead of fighting to get back, it's like they're throwing stuff and they're down there. Oh, we're losing. Okay, don't look at the wrong scoreboard. So protect your joy. Why? Because there are enemies of joy. The title of today's message is Common Enemies. Common enemies of the four things that I believe as a Christian we're pursuing. It's love, joy, peace, and hope. The first thing he says in verse one is stand firm in your faith. Okay, because it's gonna be challenged at times to stand firm. Uh, it's like standing in the surf. I have to admit that I had some joy watching people get pounded by waves. I, sit, I sat on the balcony, the aroma coming up unto the Lord. Um, 
and, and, and watching waves hit people. I get this perverse joy in watching somebody get wiped out by the wave. And you're laughing because you do too, all right? And, and so you're watching like, oh, boom, and you're like, yeah. Not too loud, but in your heart, we all kind of enjoy seeing somebody get wiped out while we've not injured, but slightly injured, um, <laughs> you know, and, and there was this one time that I was hoping I saw this wave building up and there was these two ladies standing with their backs to the water and I'm going, oh yeah. And then the one friend warned her, <laughs> she's like, wave. And then look at, she stood and she stood firm and the wave didn't knock her over. And I was like, doggone it, friends that warn you of things. You ruin my joy. You ruined my joy. Amen. What's stealing your joy? Did we have a video? Have we got the video ready? All right. I got a, a video to show you. I, I had my sound team and they got a video that I want to show you. Let's watch this guy. That was it. Um, was watch this. Watch this thief. Run. See, the bird's going to steal some chips. And you're allowing somebody to steal your chips, which is titled joy and peace and hope and love. What is stealing your chips today? Usually it's something that's just really sneaky, really slow, really sly. You don't know it until it's gone. And a lot of times in our lives, we have things steal things from us when we could have defended I'm all about shotguns in that situation, um, right? But we let things steal our chips. <laughs> things steal those things that we're after. The common enemy, number one, we're going to talk about. Well, there's two common, or two common enemies. Uh, number one is conflict. Anybody have any conflict on the way to church today? Because that's pretty common. All right, common conflicts is you get in the same car and you have these words and you have the, somebody's late and it was supposed to be five minutes and it was... You know what I'm talking about, right? And, and you're like, you should have had this ready yesterday. You should have had your clothes on. And, and those of you who are second service might have planned to come to first service. And there's probably people that planned to come to second service that didn't show up because they got into it. Now they're watching online and feeling a little slinkish, like they're talking about me. Yes, your spouse texted me and told me to mention it. So I am. That wasn't really true because my phone's over my office. Conflict wants to steal your love, your joy, your peace, your hope. And I want you to picture something here again, because the Apostle Paul writes this letter from jail, hands it to his guy. He comes and takes it to the leader of this church. And the leader of the church opens up this letter and he's reading it to the people. And there's two women that get called out and he actually names them. I mean, this is, aren't you glad that I'm not like this? If I knew you had some conflict with each other and I just call you out in church. Like Lisa, Beverly, uh, you know, you guys knock it off. So here's what happens here. Lisa, don't get offended. Um, Beverly, don't be offended. If, 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 but here's what he says. He says this. I plead with Euodia. That's the name of one woman, Euodia. And I plead with Syntyche. That's the other woman. To agree with each other in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, loyal yoke fellow. His name was Sizegus. He's talking to this guy. Will you help these women who contended by my side and the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book. He reiterates, these are Christians. Ladies, you're fighting. Euodia, Syntyche, please get along. He calls them out. And I can picture Euodia and Syntyche in church going, oh my gosh, he's actually calling us out in church. So y'all better watch it. Because if I get, all right. Wouldn't that be embarrassing? I mean, he's just reading the letter going, yeah. like the reader's probably going, ah, oh, yeah, I just called you out. 
He's saying you need to get along. They're saved ladies. You're not getting along and you need to. Why? Because you're causing the church to go in the wrong direction. You need to knock it off. You need to focus on the right things. So the challenge here is this. Is my attitude causing unity or division in the church body? Is it my opinion or is it actually principle? What we don't know, and here's what's interesting to me, is what did they fight about? If I know women's ministries, it was probably plates at the potluck. I want round. Well, I want square. Why do you want round? Because I like round. But the square ones has little compartments because Pastor Stevie might be there and the food not supposed to touch, right? <laughs> now, I will tell you this. If you don't want to get sick from food poisoning, have Rich or Pastor Stevie cook for you because you will not get sick. They're very conscious about that thing. Me, I don't care. I just throw it down, pick it up out of the trash, eat it, whatever. I want round, I want square. What, do you see where I'm going with this? Because I've, I've been a part of church for a long time and I've seen women get bent out of shape over the color of the doilies or the tablecloths and like war start. And it's like, we got this women's event. We're supposed to be reaching people for Jesus and we're fighting about the plates. I have no idea what you and Yosintiki are fighting about, but things haven't changed a whole lot, ladies. Right? It's true. Us men, we're good with paper. We're like... Men's ministries be like, we don't care. There's sausage and eggs and biscuits and gravy. And if, if there's just sausage, we're good with just sausage. And we didn't even think about tablecloths because tablecloths mean you have to wash things. So it's easier to be a man than a woman. It is. Ladies, you know of what I speak. If you've been in women's ministries very long, there can be. Now, things would be very boring without women, right? They, they would be. They wouldn't be as cute. It's, it's true. Matter of fact, if it wasn't for women, we'd still be living in caves. Matter of fact, we'd probably be in the Garden of Eden, but we won't talk about that. Uh, because. And we would be very lonely. Very lonely. So you can be in cave with woman or Eden by yourself. I contemplating on saying that. And my son said, you won't say that in church. And I'm like, yeah, I probably won't. But I just did. Now, how easy am I? You see these marks on this plate? You might be able to see them. I wash my paper plates. <laughs> if somebody says, gross, you're not eating off of it. You leave my plate alone. I'm eating off it. I use soap and I use water. And as long as it's not cut, this one's close because I cut some steak on it. Your pastor's a tightwad, just so you know that. Um, that I'm good with washing a paper plate and using it until it destroys itself. I'm good with that. And some of you have a problem with that and you need to get over it. Right? Yeah. It's just the way I am. I'm not changing. Say amen. Thank you. All right. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably why we're being able to build a building out there debt free because I eat off paper plates. So just get over it. Right? It's just the way that I am. It's still good. Why not? Right? Now, you won't see that plate at the next woman's event. Promise, I promise you that. Um, matter of fact, you won't see paper plates at the next woman's event. Let's just move on. Um, but what were they fighting about? We don't know. It doesn't say. We'll have to ask them when we get to heaven. But I bet it was something silly. I bet it was just an opinion thing, not a principle thing, actual an opinion thing. And he's just saying, ladies, please stop. And then he does this. He, he, he moves on. He drops it, he deals with it, he drops it, and he moves on. And we need to be better at learning how to do that. Amen? 
Again, the theme through this book is love, joy, peace, and hope. And I have found that all of these must be pursued to be found. Must be pursued to be found. Not easy to obtain because they're not natural. Anger is natural. Lust is natural. But not the four things. Amen. Is it, is it warm in here? A little warm? Pastor Stevie, could you just yeah, kick the AC on? I'm not asking that question. I'm warm. Turn the AC on. Um, don't mind that I'm sunburned. All right. So I found that I saw some of y'all fanning out there and I'm very conscientious to people that are fanning themselves. So, and I was feeling warm, but I didn't know if it was just because I was embarrassed um, with whatever I talked about. All right. I found that all these must be pursued to be found. I mean, really, you got to pursue love. You got to pursue hope, peace, and joy. Those things have to be pursued. They are not natural. What is natural? Anger is natural. Jealousy is natural. Think about the things that are natural. And Paul's saying, we've got to fight against those to get the for you because you can't be angry and peaceful at the same time, all right? You can't be downtrodden and have hope at the same time. We have to fight to get those four things. So we want these things. We're just not always sure how to get them. And Paul is about to clue us in. But first, we have to answer this question because you do have an enemy. What is Satan's goal for you? There's, there's three things that Jesus said. The enemy has come to do three things. He said, steal kill and destroy. You have to know that's what the devil wants of you. And one of the things as we were singing the song, I raised a hallelujah, which I love that song, is, is in my mind, you know what ticks the devil off is when you praise in your problem. You know what makes the ang- angry, ang- angers the devil when he messes with you and he's like, oh, and then, and then you start praising the very Jesus that he hates and you start praising God in your problems. I think that drives the devil crazy. So the next time you want to get the devil just off your back, just start praising God. The God, yeah, this is, and Paul's going, yeah, I'm in chains, I'm in prison, but you know what? I'm going to praise Jesus anyway. I'm, I'm, this, I'm not of this world, I'm of this, my citizenship is heaven, I'm going to get through this. And it, isn't it, doesn't it bother you when you try to annoy somebody and they're not annoyed by it? You ever, you ever siblings, the kids, one, one's the annoyer? And if one doesn't get annoyed, it really drives the annoyer crazy. We talked about this thing on a Wednesday a couple weeks ago. Is that, that you have somebody who's an antagonist. And when you refuse to be antagonized by the antagonist, it really ticks them off. So if you want to get the antagonist back, just smile and respond. Start praising. Start praying. If you have somebody in life that's antagonizing you, begin to pray for them. Pray God's blessing on them. Because you want to call down fire from heaven. I know you're righteous like the two apostles, right? But that's not what God says to do. He says, bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. And you will find that when you begin to do that, you yourself will be set free because somebody else's decision can hold you captive and you don't even realize it. Okay? It can steal your hope. It can steal your joy, your love, and your, and, and your peace. Somebody else's decision. So you have to learn to combat that by beginning to praise. And I think, again, I think it takes the devil off when we praise God when we're going through a hard time. I think the devil goes, I, I'm trying to get to you and you're still praising I think that bothers him. So if you want to bother the devil, continue to praise, to continue to sing worship songs, okay? His goal is still kill, destroy. The devil also has a plan for your life. We preach a lot. God has a plan for your life, and he does, but the devil also has a plan. He wants to rip you off. That's this whole thing. So you got to know there's this battle going on, and you got to be aware of how to combat his tactics. Social media can be an emotional trap, it's, it's studies are proven that the more time you spend on social media, the worse you feel about your own life. And, and yet we still do it. What kind of sense does that make, right? The more times you hit your head with a hammer, the more you have a headache you have, but why you keep doing it, right? You, the, the smart thing is to do what? Is to stop, right? To limit your intake of news and social media, I believe will set you free emotionally. So regarding your emotions, ask this question. 
is this feeding my faith or feeding my fears? Is it feeding my faith or feeding my fears? Is it helping a relationship or is it hindering it? What I do, what I watch, what I listen to, is it helping my relationship or is it hindering it? So if possible, stay away from what steals your chips. I had to throw that in there. Peace is what we're talking about. Okay, stay away from what steals your peace. So again, Paul deals with the ladies, drops it, and I need to learn to do the same. Don't let her drop things. Enemy number two, common enemy number two is worry. What was the first one? Conflict, okay? Conflict, you gotta deal with that. Uh, The second one is worry. Worry is, man, it's thinking about things that probably won't happen. Some people are consumed by worry. They just, they watch the news and they're like, ah, what's gonna happen? And, And we worry about things that probably will not happen. So he goes on in verse four, he says this, rejoice in the Lord most of the time. And I will say it again. Oh, what does he say? Oh, always? Can I be honest? I hate this verse because <laughs> it says always. It's like, I don't want to always. I want to throw a fit. I just want to throw a fit. I don't want to rejoice in the Lord in everything. I don't want to. And Paul, again, he's in chains. He's next to a prison guard. He, he's in a bad spot. And he's telling us, rejoice in the Lord always. And I'll say it again, rejoice. And he says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. We'll come back to the end of that verse, because that's where the battle really takes place. So let's go this. Rejoice in the Lord. Remember, he's writing this from prison. He's not saying rejoice in the chains. Don't rejoice in the prison. Don't rejoice in the tough circumstance you're in. Um, Don't rejoice that you're going through it, but rejoice in the fact that God is going to get you through it. Because, because God is bigger than your circumstance. Okay? He's not saying you gotta be happy that your car broke down. I don't know of anybody that gets excited when their car breaks down. Why? Because you know it's gonna cost you money. But think about this. There's a mechanic that needs to feed his family. Okay? So you gotta, yeah, like get an amen. Uh, don't be praying for cars to break down, but they're gonna happen, right? And so my, my trouble actually can be somebody else's blessing. Weird way to think about it, but it's really the truth, all right? Some people use this verse at the worst times. They're well-meaning, but it's just bad timing. Somebody can have a, a tragic loss, and, and don't, this is not the time to pull this verse out of the holster and go, well, rejoice in the Lord always, you know, when they just lost somebody. That's not the time to pull the verse out. It's the time to just love. It's the time to sit. It's the time just to be compassionate. Because sometimes well-meaning Christians will pull these Bible verses out and sling it towards someone who doesn't need to hear that. They know it, but they don't need to hear it from you right now. And we got to be careful with that, okay? God will lead them to that verse when the timing is right. And so we got to be careful. Again, well-meaning, but, but timing is really, really important. He's not saying rejoice in a bad circumstance. He's saying rejoice in the circumstance, that God is going to get me through this. And my name is written in heaven. He reminds us of that. Well, you are a citizen of heaven. This is temporary. You're going to make it. You're going to make it, all right? And Jesus is going to come back. Hopefully he comes back soon. I'd be okay if he came back right now. Okay, look up. See if you're sitting under a beam or not. If not, you might want to move because I have no idea what it's going to look like when we go shooting out of here. Okay. Wouldn't that be funny? You know, tink, ooh, <laughs> all right. Um, just a crazy thought. Jet lag speaking sometimes. I warned first service. I said jet lag might say some things today that I wouldn't normally say. And then I thought, well, actually, I wouldn't probably normally say it because you know me, right? But I, want, I think this challenge here is this to us. I think Paul's telling us this. I'm not going to be held hostage. Listen to me. I'm not going to be held hostage by my current circumstance. I'm not going to be held hostage by it. And that's a choice. Because some of you are being held hostage by somebody else's decisions, 
by somebody else's, whatever they did to you, and you're held hostage by it and you don't even know it. I know a lot of people that are held hostage by bitterness and they don't even see it. They don't even see that's what the chains are around them because there's so much blaming other people about where their life is that, 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 it's, that it's holding them hostage. And God doesn't want you to live in bitterness. That's why he says to forgive you. Then when you forgive, you, it's most of the time not for the other person, it's for you. It's for your own freedom. Because what I have found is when I begin to forgive somebody, and sometimes you gotta forgive every day, like verbally every day, God, I choose to forgive them. I don't want to, I don't feel like it, but your word says to do it, and I wanna be free. So I'm gonna obey your word. I'm not gonna follow my emotions. I'm gonna do what your word says. I'm gonna, I'm gonna choose to forgive. And I'm gonna say it out loud. And some of you might need to do this every day. Say, I forgive so-and-so. I forgive them for what they did to me. Now, if you're driving with your spouse and you're out loud talking about your spouse, don't do that. Like, I just, I just forgive Chris right now, Lord. For what she's, that's not, that's not the way. But, but, you, but there's somebody that's hurt you and, and, and you're hostage and you don't even realize what's holding you hostage. You gotta learn to drop the chains. Paul's in chains, but he's free. Isn't that amazing? A guy can be in prison, in chains, and more free than somebody who's on the outside who doesn't have any bounds. Why? Because freedom is really here. So you have to learn how to forgive and you've got to learn to forgive even when you don't feel like it because forgiveness is not a feeling, it's a fact. Some people are like, well, I don't feel like I forgave. No, did you verbally forgive? Yes, then you did. Now you got to fight it a lot, okay? But what I found is, is the more you fight it, the easier it gets. The more you forgive, the more you choose to forget, then eventually it's like, you know what? There's not a problem with forgiving anymore. Don't be held hostage by your circumstance. I am going to get through this. See, true freedom is internal, it's spiritual. So my question here at this point in the message is, what is holding you hostage today? Right, like right now, what is it that's holding you hostage? Think about it, what, what is it that's got me? Is it bitterness, is it jealousy, is it anger, is it resentment? Is it feeling like, hey, my needs aren't being met? What's, what's holding you hostage? What I have found is the things that keep you awake at night probably aren't keeping the person awake at night that did it to you, okay? You're the one that's thinking about it. What is stealing your peace? What is it and how am I gonna deal with it? I see people held, again, captive by stuff they don't even realize. Some people are held hostage by feelings, okay? Their emotions fly the plane way too often, okay? Way too often do our emotions fly the plane. Here's another question. Do you let your feelings consistently dictate your behaviors? And I put the word consistently in there, okay? Because I wanna say, do you let your feelings dictate your behaviors? Yes, we do. But if it's consistently, then it's gonna take you in the wrong direction because all of us will have our feelings take us in the wrong direction. Am I, am I right? Like on the way to church here, again, there might be some things that you, and, and you're thinking of a zinger on the way home. Oh, I should have said that. You ever said, oh, I should have said this. No, you probably shouldn't have. God probably is like, no, <laughs> you just shut up, boy, right? Don't, don't, don't know, you shouldn't have. So if you're thinking of zingers, I hope the Holy Spirit comes upon you with conviction now that you just keep your mouth shut on the way home and say, wasn't that a lovely service? Right? Just don't, just don't do it, all right? Don't do it. So if you have your feelings that are constantly dictating your behaviors, you will not have love, joy, peace, or hope. You won't have them. They, they can't be achieved. Verse five, he says, this let your gentleness be evident to all because my response is my responsibility. You can deal with stuff you need to deal with in a calm and firm manner. You don't have to fly off the handle. You don't have to get mad. You can deal with firm, but you don't have to be flipping out. Okay, again, he's not saying here that you ignore everything. You can deal with stuff in a firm and calm manner at the same time. And in the, in the final encouragement, verse six through seven, 
This is like a doctor visit, okay? He's listened to you, he's looked at your symptoms, and now he's gonna write you out this prescription uh, of, of, of conflict and worry. Okay, you got conflict, you got worry, that's what's stealing your peace. Here's, here's the prescription I'm gonna give you, it's what you do with it is up to you. And he says this, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Here's the prescription, okay? Don't be anxious, tell yourself, okay, I'm not gonna worry now. The emotion is gonna get you. But you have to say, okay, I'm gonna put this emotion off to the side and I'm gonna pray about it and I'm gonna give God what I need to give him. I've personally, when I, when I, I like to pray on my knees and I picture myself at the foot of the cross, just handing all my stuff to Jesus. Like, Jesus, I'm gonna put this, everything at the foot of the cross and I'm just gonna submit it to you because I can't control it. And this is how I personally deal with stuff is I just put it at the foot of the cross in my mind and then I get up and I walk away from it. Now, sometimes it wants to follow you. That's a problem with a living sacrifice is it follows you out the door, right? You come up, you give you, put some of the altar and it just crawls after you and it follows you home. Again, some things you, you'll fight to the day you die, but you have to learn how to say, okay, I don't wanna be anxious. Why? Because God's got this. But in everything, prayer and petition with thanksgiving, God, thank you for what you're about to get me through. Again, I've known you've given me a lot of things that you've, helped me through in the past and, and I believe you're gonna get me through this one because a lot of times we forget about the previous victories when we're facing the current battle. If anything, I'm like that, I forget. It's really good to write down what God brought you through so that you have a memory of what he's going to get you through again. And he says this, give your request to God, verse seven, and then the peace of God, not in the circumstance, not in the world, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, Okay. Start off every day with a prayer of thankfulness. Here's what one, a prayer that I just wrote down. God, you have brought me through so much already. You've answered prayers over and over. And I thank you for that. Now here's what I'm dealing with today. And I need your help with this one. Every day, guys, this is God, this is, this is just us. Okay, I need your help. You've got me through. I believe you're gonna get me through this one, but this one hurts. And I need your help to get me through this. And in verse seven, again, the peace of God transcends. What does transcends mean? It means goes beyond the range of limits Okay, it goes beyond all your understanding, will guard your heart and your mind because that's where the battle takes place. Your battle takes place right here. And most of the battles you face, people know nothing about. Most of the battles you face, it's a one-on-one deal, right? That's the hardest battle is right here is, is every day just submitting your heart and your mind to Christ. Again, you gotta remember that God is who he says he is and that he will do what he said he would do. Amen. So when you don't hear God's voice, you can trust his word. That's why you need to spend time in the word of God every day. Spend time in the word of God. And, I, and I, I, me personally, it's first thing in the morning. Okay, I get my coffee, I get my Bible and I read it. And, I, and, and the more I read it, the more I got to work on. It's like I read the word of God. I made a commitment that I would read it. From, I think it was my junior, senior year in high school, right in that area, that I would read it every day. And I believe that I've read it every day since high school. And here's the problem. The more I read it, the more I need to work on it. <laughs> it's like, it'd be easier just to not read it, right? It'd be easier just to not, to not read it because then I'm not accountable, right? But as I read it, I'm like, ah, oh, I gotta work on this. I'm not as good of a husband as I thought. I, I've got way more pride in this heart than I thought I had. Way more. I could, give me an amen. amen. My, probably from the family section. Way more pride than I thought I have. Matter of fact, Babe, I don't know if you saw this. This guy got on the airplane, athletic looking dude. And, uh, and he got on the airplane and I had to chuckle because his t-shirt had this big word across it. It said humble, she saw it, <laughs> humble. 
I'm like, I'm not sure if that's humility if you're promoting it, bro. Uh, I didn't say that because he was bigger than me. Um, but, but I just, I liked that. I was like, I'm not sure that that's humility if you're promoting it. I mean, I like the one I saw the guy said he was a he played for the Seahawks, right? We met this guy, really nice guy, and his said pray. Right? It just said pray on it, right? Really cool shirt said pray. Um, that's humility, right? But but for a t shirt just to say humble, I just what do y'all think? Should we take a vote? Was is that humility or is that I'm so humble, I'm proud of it. I don't know. Um, but if my wife saw it, then it probably means the same to her as the same to me. I was like, I'm not sure that's humility. But I kept my mouth shut. And now I got to repent of gossiping probably. Um, but like I said, the more I read the word of God, the more I realize how sure I fall of God's requirements and how much I need to work on myself. So does God promise to never leave you or forsake you? Yes. yes. All right. Take a picture of this next one. If you have your phone, worry will wear you out. Oh, worry will wear you out. I'm going to have our worship. Is it okay if I preach short? It's only 12.03. And some people's like, you preach short every Sunday. You're five, five. Um, and I can handle that because my new heavenly body, uh, I've always said it's going to be six, two. And then when I get there, everybody's going to be like eight foot. <laughs> I'll be like, wait a second. God's going to be like, well, you said six, two on the earth. Uh, God's got a sense of humor. I'll probably be shorter everybody than two. And such is your faith. But worry will wear you out. All right, here's a test. Four things we're after. Okay, what's our goals? Love, joy, peace, and hope. Okay, that's, that's what we're looking for today. How do we get them? Uh, we have to pursue them. What are the two enemies of love, joy, peace, and hope? Conflict and worry. Okay, how do we deal with those? Okay, one at a time. Because I guarantee you that today something will try to steal your joy. It might be on the way home, okay? It might be after you get home, but something's gonna try to steal your chips. And I want you to go back and watch that video. But seagull stealing chips, and, and you, it'll pop up on YouTube. Um, or TikTok, and, and, and remember, what is trying to steal my peace? What is trying to steal it? Now, don't go around calling people seagulls. <laughs> You're just a seagull. Actually, no, go ahead. Um, that might work. It might work. Or, or in your mind, saying they're just a seagull trying to steal my chips, right? And I got to combat that, amen? Some of you won't remember anything I said today, but you will remember the video, okay? And that's my whole goal is What's stealing my chips? What's stealing my peace, my joy, my love, hope? All right, last thing we need to deal with is, is again, my heart is to tell you the truth. The truth is there's a heaven and there's a hell. And Jesus came to die for us so we don't have to go to hell. Hell is a place that you will go if you reject what Jesus did. Okay, the Bible says you will spend eternity in hell paying for your own sins. Uh, but God so loved the world that he did what? He gave his only son. Okay that whoever would believe in him, meaning put their faith in, will not perish but have eternal life. Guys, I believe our time is short on this earth. And again, even, even if, it's, if we don't hit the rapture, we're all, most of us are 50 years or so away from meeting eternity anyway. But today we need to learn that Jesus is the only way. Amen? If you bow your heads with me just for a moment, if you're here today and you need to give your life to Jesus, okay, I'm not asking you to join a church or religion. What I'm asking you to do is accept the gift that God gave us, and that's eternal life through Jesus Christ. If you need to get your sins forgiven, you've never made that decision, or maybe you're so far away from God, you need to come home. I'm not gonna point you out, but I do need you just to lift your hand up where I can see it, because I wanna pray with you. Is there anybody here that needs to give their life to Christ? Don't leave this place not having made a decision. Anybody at all? Okay, all right, I don't see your hands. I hope we're all right with God. And if you're too scared to do it now, it's a simple prayer. It's just simply saying, Jesus, please forgive me my sins. Come into my life, be my Lord and Savior. Amen. It's that easy. Amen. Now, 
Look up here. Let's stand up. We're going to sing a last song. And let's sing it like we're saved. Church, let's sing it like whatever we're facing is smaller than the God that we're facing it with. Amen? Amen? Go ahead.